Are you young, dedicated, up and coming, motivated, and bold? Well, we got a podcast for you. Welcome to the Get Show Grind Up podcast, where we invite the world's future leaders and break down their stories to success. It's about the knit, grit, triumphs, and failures as we see how they got to where they are on their loading bars. And you never know, you could be here too. But until then, get your grind up. What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to the Get Show Grind Up podcast, formerly known as the Young and Dumb podcast, but we are forever young and dumb, and don't you forget it. We're really glad to have you guys back for another week of incredible interviews. This week, we brought on a good friend of mine, met him at a conference about a month ago uh, in New York at the Next Gen Summit. Incredible kid, incredible podcaster, has a really bright future, and we can't wait to get into his story. Ben, say what's up to the people. Guys, great to be here. Thanks so much for, for having me on. Super excited to be able to, uh, to talk with you more and uh, share a bit about my story. Glad to have you on board, Ben. And uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Um, I mean, as a young podcaster, as a Gen Zer, um, there's a lot that you have to offer the world. Uh, but before we get into anything, before we get ahead of ourselves, because, you know, I like to go full steam ahead, the get your grind up way, I want to take a step back and take a brief overview of your journey so far. Okay. So I want to take your journey and we're going to turn that into a loading bar. From zero to a hundred percent, where do you feel like you are right now on your loading bar? Oof, uh, definitely really early on. I'd say uh, definitely like one in one to three percent of the way there. Uh, I feel I'm very early on in what I'm doing. Uh, I had a kind of a weird journey to get to where I am now. Going back when I was like a freshman, high, freshman, sophomore in high school, I was pretty sure I wanted to be a chef, actually. And so I was, uh, I was interning at restaurants. I was interning at places in, in New York City and Connecticut, Massachusetts, all over. And I would, I would have my parents invite over their friends and have them as like guinea pigs and do like these eight course meals. And just I really liked that that whole experimentation and innovation process. And then that eventually. Uh, through working at, at one of these restaurants, I got really interested in uh, agriculture because they focused so much on how the food was grown and, and where they sourced it from. And that got me really interested in uh, sustainable agriculture and then sustainable development. And I'm happy to go into, into more depth into that. But pretty much only recently have I, have I started to get into entrepreneurship and business and really using business as a means of, of creating social impact and having an impact on people. And I think a lot of people, especially, um, in, in older generations, uh, or in any, and even young people feel like business and social impact can't go together, that they run kind of like perpendicular to one another. And I felt like there was this unactualized potential for people using entrepreneurship or in the private sector to have the impact they want, they wanted. And so I feel like I'm, I'm really early on in my journey um, I've been really only like the past six months to a year, started to get involved in things, started to meet people, to network, to, to do my own thing. And, uh, yeah, I'd say like one to 3% of the, of the way there. 
Okay, so let's let's talk first about food. Um, I love food myself. <laughs> food is near and dear to my heart. But um, I second how that. Does, <laughs> how does someone intern essentially at a restaurant? Um, I've just never heard of that before, and especially in high school, it seems like a really something unique. Yeah, for sure. So it honestly all started. Um, it started in, I'd say when I mean, when I was growing up, I'd say I grew up in New York, I grew up in Brooklyn and there was so much good food around. And then when I was about seven or eight, I moved up to where I live now, which is in like rural Connecticut. And so there was all, there was this complete lack of any good food whatsoever. You have to travel like 45 minutes to an hour to get anything that's like near the quality of what you get in New York city. And so cooking became like my medium to try and have to, you know, I don't think it, it worked for many years. And even now I definitely can't replicate what you get in New York, but it became my way of trying to, uh, I don't know, have good food when there really was not a lot near me. And so when I was in eighth grade, I did, everyone did their expert. They had an expert project at my school where you delve into an issue for like three months or so. And I chose molecular gastronomy, which is like the intersection between food and science. And part of that, that project. And in the same year, they, for, for a week and a half, I think you, you take, they, they give you the time off of school and they want you to do an internship. And so I wasn't exactly sure how I would handle that and how, how exactly I would go about that and, and what that would look like, because I didn't really know of interning at a restaurant either, or how I could really get involved in the food world as someone who was what, like 12 or 13 at the time. And so I pretty much just reached out to a bunch of restaurants in my area. Some of them I, I blind emailed. Some of them I just walked into and said, like, this is, uh, I have a week and a half off of school and I want to learn and, you know, like, what, what can we set up? And so I ended up working at this, at this local place called John's Cafe. And I worked there for about a week and a half, mostly just, I remember like very vividly just grating Parmesan cheese for like eight hours a day by hand. It wasn't exactly like a huge learning experience, but it was, it was my first experience in a kitchen. And I really loved the kind of the, the high paced, uh, pressure filled environment. And then when I got into high school, I'd spend my summers also interning and, it was really the same process. Most of it was just like calling or emailing or just walking into restaurants that I liked and that I wanted to work at. And I felt like I could learn from, uh, sometimes it was leveraging connections that, that, uh, I had. So I remember scrolling through, uh, my school's alumni list, trying to look for, uh, restaurateurs or people in the food industry, because I knew that, uh, there was a very tight knit community at my school and that if I could try and have that, you know, baseline connection of like, Oh, we went to the same school that that would be a great way to, to segue into trying to have an internship. And so, yeah, I, I didn't really have, I didn't really know what like a, an internship in a restaurant would look like. It, it was kind of different every time. And a lot of the time it was just labor, just like menial labor, chopping things for hours and hours. And then other times, the chefs would really try and take me under their wing and they'd show me, uh, how to, how to plate things. They'd show me like from, from start to finish from actually where they source the ingredients to when it ends up on the plate, like that whole process. Um, I had this one experience in New York city at a restaurant. Um, they actually, they just got a, a Michelin star last year, a really great restaurant in Brooklyn. And they had me work during uh, dinner service and I would, 
be working in the kitchen. They also had me, I would bring out plates and then I would get there early in the morning and he would have me talk with the producers of food. And so it was really different depending on the experience, but it all started in like eighth grade when I had to pretty much find my, my own internship around something that had to do with food and just going out and trying to make an opportunity out of something where I felt like there wasn't any structured restaurant internship like near me or, or anywhere. And that's dope to, you know, make it essentially an, an internship out of really nothing. Cause I, I, I know Justin hasn't, I haven't heard of a, an internship um, at a restaurant either. But that's also really cool. What your school did um, at the age of 12, 13 years old, telling kids to, to get out and get an internship. Um, Justin and I have said it multiple times on the podcast. We probably just would have kicked the ball around for the, the three weeks. <laughs> um, that was just the reality of it. Um, but it's, it's dope that you were able to get in and get some experience, um, if any, in the, the restaurant. Because knowing me, if I ran a restaurant, there's no way in hell I'm letting a 12, 13-year-old back there <laughs> behind the grill or anything like that. But that using your experiences, um, working your way through the industry, um, how has that uh, allowed you to navigate the business world now? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Honestly, I think there's a lot of similarities between working in a kitchen and working in uh, entrepreneurship or business. For one, on the outside, it seems far more glamorous than it is actually doing the job. People, especially now, I feel like chefs are very idolized. You see like Gordon Ramsay online, you see all of these celebrity chefs. And it seems like, I don't know, such a cool job on the outside. And I think it is, I, I really, you know, enjoyed it and I still enjoy it, but it's definitely, it's really hard work actually being in the kitchen and, um, it's long hours. I didn't have the same hours as, as a lot of the chefs, but they'd get there at, you know, four or five in the morning and they wouldn't leave until, you know, between 10 and 12 at night. And so it's, it's high pressure. It's you have to, to get things done. Otherwise you don't have things, you don't have, you know, your, your food prepped for service. Uh, there needs to be a consistency to everything. And so there, there are definitely parallels I see between that and business for one, I think, like I was saying, um, it really, it, it, it taught me that there's much work that goes in behind the scenes that you, no one ever sees. So, uh, like at the, this one restaurant I was working at, I remember, uh, I, I ate there before I, uh, went and worked. And I remember they had one dish where there was, it was like some type of barley risotto or porridge or something. And with, with some other ingredients and whatever. And it seemed very simple when they were, when you were eating it, but clearly it was just extremely delicious. And then when I went into the kitchen, I, I didn't realize, but there was like a four or five hour process that went into that. There were like 10 or 15 different spices. There were sauteing things and roasting things. And it all went into something that appeared so simple and perfect, like on the surface, but I didn't realize how much went in behind the scenes. And I think that's the same thing with business is that it's, there's really so many little, uh, things that go in that people don't see on the surface. They only see that finished project. They only see the, the successes in the same way with food. There were like a millions and I wouldn't say millions. There were, you know, on, on a daily basis, there were tens of, of dishes or parts of dishes, sauces and, uh, vegetables and whatever that 
were tested and just didn't work. And you only see that finished project. So I think it made me love the process, which I think you have to, if you're in cooking, if you're in entrepreneurship, you have to love the grind and you, you can't just love that end goal and what everyone else sees when you're done with something, you have to love the failures and how you learn from that. And then I think also just working in like a high pace pressure filled environment and experimenting and innovating and having that creative process, I think is like the exact same thing with entrepreneurship, at least for me is I love innovating. I love doing things under pressure, putting, setting deadlines for myself, setting hard to reach goals and trying to, to reach them. And I think it's the, it's the same thing with cooking really. And I think I didn't necessarily see that development or wasn't like, I wasn't cognizant of it in my head, but I think the similarities are there. There's a lot of them between the two. Yeah. And I think that, that kind of, not necessarily theory, but that, that reasoning behind of not really seeing everything besides just the end product is such a big thing in a lot of these high profile industries that you've talked about, whether it's uh, cooking, um, entrepreneurship, being an influencer, a YouTuber, et cetera. Like, when you actually take a step and try to live in one of their shoes, like for instance, YouTube, people just think, oh, that one video, it's so easy. All they have to do is make one video a week. But at the end of the day, like so many hours of content creation goes into making that one video, the amount of layers in that um, Adobe Final Cut, whatever it is, um, video editing is insane. And pe- those are just things that people just don't see. Um, how do you what would you say to someone that has that vision of whatever, maybe whether they're being a chef an entrepreneur, a YouTuber, et cetera, to understand that there's more than, than meets the eye to be successful in these industries? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I mean, honestly, I think, uh, like, and this isn't, you know, my original idea by any means, but you have to just start and throw yourself into things, even if you have no experience. Um, I think whether it's, you know, taking classes online or reaching out to someone to, to try and get an internship or some, you know, type of mentorship or whatever it is, just throwing yourself into the fire and seeing what it actually takes, um, I think is, is a really importance. It's a lot of people are, they're, they're very risk averse and they're especially they're averse to putting themselves in like uncomfortable situations or situations where they don't feel like they have the skill set to, to do something. But like for me, and I'm still very much realizing this and like coming to the point where I'm comfortable with this, but everyone at some point, even those who are so beyond successful, whatever, you know, their career is started knowing, you know, jack shit. Like they started from where they literally knew nothing and they, and they built things up over time, uh, having those, you know, small actions compound themselves over time and, you know, just putting themselves in situations where they could learn and grow. So I I don't think you need to do everything at once. You can start small and you can learn, but definitely just start somewhere and don't just have it be this idea that just floats around in your head, you know, months after months. Uh, I think starting is the hardest part and whatever it is, whatever way you want to start, whether it's, you know, like I said, courses or mentorship, internship, whatever it is, uh, just start somewhere and it'll eventually you'll, things will snowball. You'll eventually start to learn about the different facets that are involved in something and you'll start to break that barrier that 
um, or break that idea in your head that like what you see on the outside is what's really happening. Like you said, with YouTube or with cooking or business or whatever it is. And I'm really glad you mentioned that. Um, cause I just wanted to highlight the, the, uh, problem that I see in, in today's society with the glamorization of, um, the end result, um, whether that's business or as we spoke about earlier with food, um, we see that end product, we see the Lambo, we see, um, the, the nice clothes, all the money. And it's like, how do we get to that point or whatever our version of success is? How do we get to that point? Um, but we don't see the steps that it takes, the, the cold DMs, um, the making the internships out of nothing, um, going to events, doing 15 calls in a day. Um, like you said, you did today, like all of these things we, we take for granted. Um, and that's not what everyone else sees. They see Ben at the top with a podcast, with uh, maybe a restaurant, um, a lot of different things in the future. But we don't, we always forget about that second piece, uh, all the steps that we took to get there. And I'm really glad you brought that up. But saying that, I mean, going through life, um, whether you're a Gen Zer or you're a baby boomer, there are a lot of head scratchers that we face. And that's something as um, a new oncoming college student, something that you recognized. Tell me a little bit about what these, uh, these head scratchers are and how this came about. Yeah, for sure. I think so for me, it really all, I mean, I, I've had like whatever your quote unquote head scratchers or, or questions that I've, I've had, you know, for years and years as I think most people do, but it really started, I'd say at the beginning of my gap year, I'm on, I'm on gap year right now. I'm going to be a freshman in college next year. Um, so I just turned 19 a few months ago and I, I took my gap year. There was a number of reasons, but the primary reason was because I wanted to come to more clarity as to what my interests were so that once I got to college, I could more effectively take advantage of resources, know who I wanted to network, know how I wanted to know what clubs and extracurriculars and professors I wanted to meet. Because I think for a lot of people, they, they view college as that time to that like exploratory period in their life. And I felt like I, I had, I, I felt like I didn't want to be spending as much money as I, as I will be spending for college. If it's only just to explore things like education is so democratized right now. And if I wanted to access the information that I would get through classes, even though obviously you have peers around and stuff like that, I can do that online and it didn't need to be through this, you know, you know, huge price tag. And so I really view college and I still do as this, this time to network and, and access resources. And so I was starting my gap year and I was trying to, I wanted to come to more clarity as to things. So I did a lot of self-reflection. I, I put in place a lot of habits like, uh, meditation and exercising and, and, uh, reading, journaling, all of these different things that I felt like would contribute to me finding clarity in life. What is it that I want to do? What's my meaning for life? How can, how can I be happy? All of these different, like really big questions. And about six months in, um, I was reading like one to two books a week. Uh, I was being really consistent with my habits. And I felt like despite that, I was more confused than when I started I think I had this misconception in my mind and I feel like a lot of other people do too, where it's like the more you learn about the world, the more clarity you have about it and the more clarity you have about different disciplines. And for me, it was completely the opposite. It's like the, the more I learned about the world, the more questions I had, the more like head scratches I had, I started to become more curious and fascinated with what's going on in the world. And I feel like now I'm at this point where I'm just completely confused 
And I feel like I've accepted that confusion because for me, if I'm ever, if I ever have clarity as to an issue, at least, you know, in my life right now, I feel like I haven't delved into it deep enough. And so that was really the impetus behind starting the podcast was I felt like I had all of these head scratches in my life. For me, it's like, what do I want my life to look like? How can, how can I be happy? How can I stay productive? How can I have meaningful friendships? Um, how can I stay on top of my mental health? All of these questions, like how, 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 and I felt like a lot of other young people also had these similar questions. And I knew that from being in high school, I knew that from, from social media and I wanted to provide a platform for both myself to be able to explore these questions, but also to hopefully provide some type of value to other people who are trying to navigate these questions. And so I'm, uh, having conversations with both, uh, young adults, people in Gen Z who have done something really extraordinary or who have interesting stories to tell so that other young people or really anyone can listen to these stories and start to see whether anything clicks for them. Like, Oh, that's I like, I'm like, uh, I really want to explore that discipline more. Like that sounds really exciting or, Oh, they did like, this is how they got those guests. They just, they said 300 blind emails a day. Like that's how they did it. And I want, hopefully by the end of every episode, they've started to, it started some of those head scratches in their own life, they've started to dissect a bit more. They've started, I don't know about answer them because I feel like going back to this idea, I feel like confusion is really important and people don't, people don't view confusion in a positive sense, but for me, it's a really positive thing. And so I'm hoping that people start to think about the head scratches in their their life more and start to dissect them a bit more. And so I have a mix of both young adults, but also experts in their field. So I've had a podcast on uh, leadership. I've had one on social activism and public speaking. And so different skills that young people need, um, or can be helpful for young people in navigating growing up and trying to be both happy and successful and, and, and whatever, you know, you want to be. So what has been your favorite, uh, head scratcher that you've kind of solved or at least learned a little bit more about? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I think the question in itself is a head scratcher. Yeah, the, it's it's something I need to think about. Honestly, I've been I've been so focused, especially I lost I, I launched my podcast only about a month and like a week and a half ago, so like five and a half weeks ago. And so I've been really focused on pushing out content, interviewing people. And I feel like I haven't had the time to actually reflect on the content I've been making and the episodes I've been I've been putting out. I had this one episode which I put put out where um, I talked to this girl named Rory O'Halloran, who was a part of the the first co-ed class at Deep Springs. Um, I don't know if either of you have you have you heard of Deep Springs? No. So Deep Springs is this kind of experimental form of education. It's in the the deserts in like Nevada or California. It's a two year school, but it's like unbelievably competitive to get into. Most of the people end up transferring to Ivy's after they finish their uh, two years there, but the school is entirely self-governed. So there's only about 30, there's only maximum of 30 students, it's about 25 to 30 students for the whole school. And it's, they have three pillars. They have a pillar, self-governance, labor, and academics. So they have their core academic classes, then they have labor. So they're working anywhere between 20 and 40 hours a week on the farm or doing manual labor, whatever it is. 
And then they have the self-governance aspect, which is the students are hiring the faculty, the students are reviewing the admissions process, the students are uh, managing student performance, they're managing more or less everything. And that's not to say they don't have, there's their professors, there's still, you know, some administrative body, but it's otherwise entirely self-governed. And so I had this conversation with this girl who was a part of the first co-ed class. It was entirely um, all male before. And it, I, it was a really interesting conversation. I wanted to learn both about her experience in being a part of the first co-ed class and how, if in any way, she felt like that shaped her experience there. And then also I wanted to learn more about the school because it was this really fascinating type of education. I was actually considering applying when I was in high school because I was looking for some non-traditional educational, uh, non-traditional, uh, schools and places in higher ed, because I went to a really traditional prep school and I wanted to break out of that mold. And so I looked for not non-traditional places. And so I was really excited to talk with her and to hear about someone who had actually been there. And when we were talking, I, I have in my podcast, I have a quick fire question round where I ask a bunch of quick questions like, um, how do you define success for yourself? Or what's the biggest problem? What do you view as the biggest problem right now that we're dealing with? excuse me, that we're dealing with or, um, like what's the biggest head scratch in your life, All, a bunch of quick questions. And we run through them super quickly. And I think for about like three or four out of the, out of the 10 questions that I asked, she, before she answered, she questioned the premise of the question. So like for one, where I was like, what, what's the biggest problem we're dealing with? And she questioned the idea that there is one biggest problem that we're dealing with. And we talked about how all problems are are interconnected and to, to place emphasis on any one would be, uh, an irresponsible thing to do. And it was really interesting because she started to question, question all of these, these questions that I put together. And I was like, I'm oh, being my, <laughs> it ended up being a really great episode, but I felt like I was this terrible host because, uh, I was asking these questions and she just was, you know, questioning every single one of them, but it got me thinking, I've been thinking a lot after about, trying to question more things in my life and just the, the status quo in general. And it's made me think more about what type of questions I ask in my podcast and what questions I ask about just life in general and my own life more specifically. So I think one of the head scratchers that, that I have in my own life that's been influenced by that episode is how can I, how can I question more things on a daily basis and not accept things as, as truth and reality? And so that's like, for me, that started with not blindly accepted every piece of advice that I read or that I get from someone. I think now I, I've realized that a lot of the advice you receive um, is just, it, it's completely contradictory. And so having to sort through the noise is a really important thing. And so, yeah, I think one of the head scratchers, that, that's probably the one that I think about most and that I haven't, I'm completely confused on is just, how can I question more things in, in my day-to-day -day life? And I think that's that's really cool going off of the essential why in life. Like why do we do the things that we do? Um, just being an overall skeptic. And I think that comes down to essentially the mindset. What she experienced through her schooling in her first year is something completely different to what um, you or I experienced in our high school years. Um, and I think that exposure to something new, um, to new information, creates um, what I, I'd like to call um, informational, um, 
uh, alchemy. So we take one idea, we're experienced, uh, we're introduced to a new idea. It's like, okay, how do these two ideas work together? And what are the possibilities of this, uh, these two ideas? And with your, your podcast is the idea that was taken and uh, the concept of how um, she questions um, what she does and the experiences that she's been through um, has exploded into a world of possibilities to where you start to question everything that you do um, and kind of spirals that way. So I think it's really cool that through these exposures, through not answering questions, we actually learn more. Um, and that being confused is somehow a an accelerant or an enhancer to um, our overall knowledge and um, our consumption of information. So I really wanted to get in on the, the why of um, her concept. So given our overall, um, not to say that there is one big problem, clearly there isn't, um, but what do you think um, are some of the things that we do on a day-to-day basis from your experience so far that we need to question or we need to rethink? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think, um, for one, for, for me, at least I had put a lot of habits in place at the beginning of my gap year, every like three weeks or so I would integrate a new habit. And so it would be exercising at, at a certain time of the day, meditating, reading, journaling, whatever it is. I mentioned some of these earlier and I was integrating them into my own life based on what I read online. And it was like, Oh, the, like all of these successful people, they exercise at 7am and they're all waking up at 4am in the morning and they're journaling at this time of the day and they do XX and X. And I was mirroring my, I was trying to mirror my life based on their habits. I was trying to, um, you know, steal them essentially and have them, have them be integrated into my own life. And I started to do that. And I realized just they were not working for me whatsoever. And after I started to play around with them and put things at different times in the day, like now I don't work out in the morning, I work out at like 5 PM. And now I don't journal at night. I journal in the morning. And, um, so for, for one, I think don't blindly accept a lot of people are really obsessed with self-improvement and, and, and human optimization. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are as well. Um, they're really obsessed with like, how can I just maximize my productivity, my, my, my drive and like get shit done as much as possible. And when they do that, they think about what habits can I put in place in my life? And I think a lot of people just copy, um, time for time and thing for thing, what, like highly successful people are doing. And I think that's something that I've had to question, which is you can't, it habits, you can, you have to see things within the context of your own life and integrate things within the context of your own life. And so you can't just, there, there is no like prescription for what works for everyone. Um, and then also the other thing is not trying someone who's at, day 90, when you're at day one, don't, you, you shouldn't be copying everything they're doing for a while. I was like looking at all of these people, um, who are so far along in their journey. And I wanted to go immediately to that. I was like, I want to start doing like Instagram lives and all of these things. And no one like copying someone who's at a completely different point in, in your journey doesn't make any sense whatsoever because they weren't doing that day one of their journey. And so I think I had to 
that's something that I've, that I've more recently started to question is I need to make sure that what I'm doing is it's important to get advice from others, but at the same time, make sure that you view it within the context of where are you in your journey, because there's no prescription for what works in your life and what you do and how you spend your time is very different depending on how far along you are with an idea, whether you've launched it, whether it's just an idea in your head, whether you have $5 million in funding or whether it's not even business, whether you can be a chef or a scientist, whatever it is, not copying someone else's day 90 when you're at like day one. So I think those are some of the things I've started to question some of my habits, how I mirror my life in, in comparison to others. Um, and then also I've been questioning a lot of like eating habits lately. I've been experimenting with, um, different styles of eating foods. I eat times of day I eat and people have this very conventional mindset that you need to have. And it's less conventional now because intermittent fasting has become this like big thing, but this conventional mindset that like breakfast, lunch, dinner, and you need that to have like this stable energy throughout the day. And, um, I think questioning, questioning just even completely normal things like that or things that you would otherwise, you would really never question. Like you just go about your life every day and you're eating one meal a day or sorry, not one meal a day. You're eating one meal at the normal times. And I've started to experiment with doing like 24 hour fast and then 48 hour fast and then 72 hour fast. And now I've gotten to the point where I do every week, I'm doing one like 48 to 72 hour fast during the week. And I've started to see impacts within my own life in terms of my mental clarity, my sleep, my energy. And so I, I think, yeah, it's questioning my habits, my eating habits, all of these different things. Um, and there's, there's a lot of others as well, but that's what comes, comes to mind at least initially. Yeah. I've done the, I did the seven or tried to do the 72. Um, I got about a day and a half. The first day and a half for me weren't too bad. Actually, first two days, the last half day was terrible for me. <laughs> it's, um, it's hard. It's hard. It was terrible. Like I honestly didn't feel hungry at all for those first two days. And then I woke up like in the middle of the night of the third day, essentially. And I told my girlfriend, I was like, if I die, I'm okay with it. It's just going to happen. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to force myself to go to sleep right now. But if I die, I die just because of, like, that's how bad that I felt at the time. So and that's because I jumped into it. Like I literally, like you said before, you need to kind of pace yourself. And I was like, I'm just do 72 hours. I've never done a fast before. I mean, obviously like some days I just don't eat until like lunch or something, but that doesn't compare to like a 72 hour fast. So like you said, you definitely need to pace yourself, especially when you're first jumping into something. If you look at it for like a body, uh, a bodybuilder, right? You're not going to be lifting the same weights as Dwayne, the rock Johnson, when you're first getting started, you have to work your way up. It's taken him how many years to get to, that, to the level that he's at now. Such inspiring words from a young talent. You love to see it. Shout out to Ben for coming on the podcast for this episode. And if you loved what Ben had to say, and you want to listen to a little bit more, we break it down young and dumb style on his next episode on Thursday. So you can't miss it. Thank you again for listening to the pod. We love to have you guys back. It's good to be back. Hop on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast. Leave a comment, write a review. Let us know what you think, what's on your mind. We love you guys. We'll see you guys soon. Peace.